Hey everyone, welcome to the Practica Podcast, where we encourage the practical application of the pulpit ministry in the local church, specifically Redeemer in Cedar Woolley. Yes, sir. Because you said that is, right. I did. Wait, wait, I said what word? Right. Cedar Woolley. How, how else do you say it? That's correct. But some people have like said variations of it that are inaccurate. So oh, you're dude. You you really are like a full local now. Like I'm if like if you say it wrong, on you say yeah. it wrong, you get offended. In fact, if you know your history of Cedro Woolley, it's a hyphenated town. I, I think do. it's Cedro and Woolley. Yeah, which came together, and so it's really funny if you hear certain older people say like "Welcome to Cedro" or "Welcome to Woolly." They kind of show their you know family. Which side, you know which yeah. side of the tracks like, they were. Oh, they okay. lived on. You're, you're, you're that. Uh, you're, you're of that descent. <laughs> oh, you're a yes. It's like the Hatfields and McCoys. It's the Cedros. Totally. And the yeah, yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> oh boy, dude, David, how are you, my friend? Recovering. Yes, you are. As we sit here yeah. in my office, and I've got oxygen. Yeah, you're, you're like out from hooked the, up, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. been a crazy couple months, right? It has been, yeah. Um, yeah, you, you want me to just give a synopsis? I of- mean, just, yeah. I mean, tell us, I mean, uh, um, anybody who is, uh, anybody who goes to Redeemer is yeah. going to know the go, They're going to know, know the, the story. But we'll have a few listeners that, that, that do not reside there. Sure, so yeah. Just give us a quick update of what the last couple months have been, because we released... The first kind of introduction app right. a while ago. I want to say it was like January. Yeah. And here we are, you know, <laughs> ending in the first week of March. Yeah. And the plan um, was to keep on going in January. You know, yes. But, you know, you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Right? Yeah, like exactly. That's the, the, old, the old adage. Oh, yeah. man. So, um, yeah, shortly after we recorded that episode in January, um, and I had begun a study in First John. I think I preached one exposition January 9th. And then a few days later, um, you know, as goes in uh, in the world right now, uh, someone from our church said, hey, I'm really sorry. I was exposed to COVID. Mm-hmm. And then a few other people were like, oh, man, I've got it. And then a few more and then a few more. So we canceled service that next weekend. And sure. I was like, I'm feeling fine. And then like two days later, my whole family got COVID. And my wife and kids uh, recovered quite well, but I kept getting worse until I think it was like two weeks uh, or like a week and a half, two weeks into that. Finally, on a Sunday, um, I went into the ER and um, they determined my oxygen level was critical. It was like an 86. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're like, you have COVID and you have double pneumonia. So that was... Which is worse than single or 1.5 pneumonia. And and it's crazy too because it wasn't COVID pneumonia. Not a critical detail, but what that means is that after recovering from COVID a week later at home, I'm still kind of dealing with the effects of pneumonia. And I got like a temporary asthma out of that. It's been crazy. It's been very, very humbling. Um, Mm -hmm. Because for weeks, you know, you came and preached at Redeemer. And, you know, I couldn't do more than attend. And then we'd get home and I was like, tired sure just from sure. that and now like I'm, I'm able to preach again by the grace of god do a little bit here and there but like i still get really exhausted um and so this is i'm excited about this about getting back to things and hopefully the dialogue will even continue to kind of work out the lungs and 100 things rolling yeah well if you if you if you pass out in the middle of recording <laughs> 
I'll make sure to edit it out. Oh, awesome. Just for your cool. sake. You know? Cool. Just to keep up appearances. Yeah. Right. Or just like have a steady beep during yeah, that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A beep or yeah. maybe some elevator music, something, something. like that. Just to be like, like we're, experiencing, snoring. We're, we're experiencing technical difficulties. <laughs> yeah. Please stand by as we try to get David off the oh, floor. Oh, man. Shauna was, in fact, it's funny. The first week I preached that Shauna was on edge because that's what she was terrified terrified about. Of you just, of you just dropping behind yeah, the pulpit. Yeah, and so she's like, yeah. you need a chair behind you. And yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'll be okay and I can lean on the pulpit because we have an awesome pulpit sure. that I can lean on. Yeah. But she was like... You do you nice might pulpit. pass out. I'm I'm terrified. Yeah. So, but I made it okay, dude. Can we before we hop into the uh, the first passage of John here? Can we can we give some pulpit love real quick? Yeah, to your guys's pulpit. Oh. So so I got to say, as a pulpit thug, right? Someone who preaches in a lot of different churches, yeah. going around, you end up kind of ranking the churches, yeah, by the pulpits, <laughs> right? And sure. I've, I I've I've preached at a you know. Some that have really great pulpits, and then you have the ones where it's literally like they bring out a music stand. Yeah. And you're like, what am I going to do with this? Right. I got to give some love to the pulpit at Redeemer because that thing, not only is it sturdy, it looks amazing. Yeah, it does. It is a great looking pulpit. I love it. I, I think, think I actually posted a picture of it. Yeah. One of the times I was preaching. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah, it's a great pulpit. I think man. what's cool too is not to go into all the crazy details, but yeah. every single one of our pulpits has a story. When I learned about the value of having a pulpit and the, the Reformation principle that it conveys, God's word is central and big and man right. is small. The bigger the pulpit, the more we realize man is small and right. God is wonderful and, and true and, and big. Yep. And I loved that, and we didn't have the budget, so somebody bought us one off of Amazon. Yeah. And it was like the come-in-a-box and put-it-together yep, Ikea yep, yep, kind yep. of pulpit. Sure. Uh, Seven Lakes Church took that. Okay. Um, and, and then after that was given away, one was built for me by a family in the church. Yeah. And then after that, one of our new elders, Dwayne, um, had a, a pulpit. He's like, "Hey, if you want this, and it would work for all of our heights, because Dwayne's much taller. I'm, I'm, I'm itty bitty Norwegian uh, over here. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm with you on that one. So it's got to work for the shorter and the, the taller guys. And what's cool is uh, that same guy who built the last pulpit took that, and he took a ton of wood that people had given him from the church for woodworking, right? And he remade this old pulpit." Um, and so it was really cool because it's got history to it. It's been in another Reformed Baptist church. Yeah. And now it's at Redeemer. And I love it, man. It's a it's a gift. I love it, too. Yeah. It's yeah. cool. Yeah. Right on. So. All right. So basically, um, for those who this might be the first one that you're listening to, like, yeah. again, we haven't uploaded since January. What this podcast basically is, is it is a podcast that is specifically for the saints at Redeemer in Cedar Woolley. Now, it does not mean it is exclusively for them. Otherwise, we wouldn't put it up online, right? Right. But what this is for is to wherever Redeemer Church is in the Word of God, that particular Lord's Day, this podcast is a greater explanation, not of the strictly the the theology of the text, but the practical application of the text. Because like we talked about in our first ep, the practical application of wherever you are in the word of God should be part of every sermon. However, in most cases, you don't have the opportunity to dedicate the amount of time that you want to yeah. to that portion of scripture, wherever you are, right? And if we're going to believe that the word of God is sufficient for all life and practice, it's a pretty large segment, 
of how we are to view and interpret scripture, yeah. right? So that's what this podcast is. Is it's not it's not just talking about the sermon again, right? Because that that's not that that's not the niche that that we're wanting to cover. It is specifically how then shall we live right. in light of what we heard expounded on the previous Lord's Day morning, yeah. right? So that's what we're going to do. And seeing as how uh, David has actually had some opportunity to preach in First John uh, for a little bit, um, we're gonna we're gonna start we're gonna start right in. So we're gonna have David um, give us just a brief synopsis. I'll read the passage. David, give us just a very, very brief synopsis right. of what the sermon was yeah. was about, and then we're going to dive into how we as Christians should live in light of the glorious truths that we have heard. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. All right. So this Lord's Day, well, <laughs> the Lord's that Day. Lord's that, Day. That January Lord's Day. 9th. Okay. Full disclosure, we're a few behind. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we're three sermons behind. We're gonna get we're gonna get them out as quickly as possible. Yeah. But uh the first exposition, uh, we are in first John chapter one, verses one through four. Exactly. I believe, right? Yes. Okay. So this is what it says. First John chapter one, one through four says I'll edit that out. Are you okay? <laughs> you doing fine? All right. Yeah. All right. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us, that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Perhaps one of the coolest openings... Of a New Testament book, yeah, I love First John. Yeah, uh, it is it is a fantastic, fantastic portion of Scripture. Yeah, right. It so really is. we have just heard the Word of God, David. Give us a very quick synopsis of just your your points. Yeah, and then let's dive into the practical application. Sure. Portion. So, as many of the people at Redeemer will know, um, for quite some time uh, over the years, my focus in every exposition is to summarize each text in the form of a sentence. So a lot of people will use those and fill in the blanks. But the focus of these four, first four verses was really to convey in the exposition that Jesus is the word of life who gives true fellowship and the fullness of joy. And so <clears throat> obviously, you know, we had we had mentioned in the first episode that we were going to seek to really focus on a series of questions. Uh, what does this text teach us about God in practical application? What does this teach us about who we are even prior to being in Christ and now being in Christ? And then in light of those truths, how then shall we live? And so right out of the gate, John begins by saying, I want to tell you who Jesus really is. Mm. Here's what we know. Here's what we've seen. Here's what we've touched. Here's what was manifest, is made known to us, displayed before us. And John is doing that, obviously, because he is dealing with 
false teaching and false teachers. And there's a lot of history behind that um, and a lot of uh, historic, more complex names that I sometimes screw up. But essentially, in all of those things um, that John was dealing with, he is trying to convey, here's who Jesus Christ truly is. And we we really and truly bear witness to that. We're not making this up. He's defending his apostleship and what, what is often called the apostolic message, which is the gospel. Um, and so that's a big focus, that to really convey that Jesus is who he truly said he was and is, that he's the word of life. And, and when we truly believe upon the true Christ and the true gospel, we have a true fellowship. That word true is really mm-hmm. important yeah. throughout John's writing. Um, and, and through that is produced a, a fellowship and a fullness of joy. 100%, man. I, I think one of, one of the striking things that kind of pops out to me in, in how I think we should be viewing this and and how, how we should be living our lives in light of this is that John really does force the issue and make it very clear that this truth of who Jesus is is a tangible truth, mm. right? We yeah. see it, we right. hear it, we touched it, we've experienced it, right? It's not just some sort of abstract um, intellectual concept, yeah. right? This is something that we we actually have experienced in real tangible ways. Yeah. Right? Go ahead. It, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. it shows that one of the main things that John was dealing with that I think really touches on how we practically apply the text is that the false teachers of his time were denying Jesus's humanity. Mm-hmm. They they mm-hmm. believed in a sense of his divinity. So like the spiritual side of things, they were going, oh, totally. And God is divine. And, and so Jesus probably only appeared, but they denied the humanity aspect. And therefore, in some of those false teachings, they were saying, well, we're kind of disconnected from sin and and anything evil and so jesus certainly would have been disconnected from those things right and so right. they made their own teaching based on things they were denying about jesus and john is saying like no this is this is practical in fact yeah yeah these are the realities of who jesus really is and and not just in who he is as god in the flesh but right. what that means for for us well, and in the gospel, and that's the question, right? Is is what what are the practical application or consequences? I think it's probably a better word of making a separation between Christ's deity and his humanity, right? Because we often we often see this this unnecessary and unbiblical heretical distinction made that you know Christ is 50 he was 50% humanity yeah. 50% uh divinity right yeah. he was uh, at at certain points more divine than others right? right and what ends up happening is you you sacrifice the very things that make the work of Christ potent right right um and in this particular case they were sacrificing the humanity of Christ right. right they were they were they were all in on Christ being God yeah but when it actually came to him having the the humanness aspect of who he is yeah they were throwing that out the window right right so practically there are some great consequences when we do that right yeah. both for our salvation and, and and the gospel in and of itself but also in the way that Christ can truly be 
a perfect mediator for his people. Yeah. Right? Um, so let's dive into that kind of first, and then I'd like to get into a little bit more on the what does what does true fellowship look like? Because he really kind of drives that home at the end. And right. All of this culminates. We're telling you this so that you can have fellowship with us, right? right. Um, but let's dive in just just real quick on the practical consequences of not applying the humanity of Christ to our lives. Mm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I think um, one of the clear things um, that we see in some of the heresies today mm-hmm. around Jesus' humanity is um, is too quickly making it our own mm-hmm. in the sense of applying it to ourselves. Well, Jesus was a human just as just as I am. So some of the heresies we see, especially in some of the more hyper charismatic movements, is to basically downgrade Jesus's sinless, perfect um, uh, uh, incarnation as going, well, he was a man or, you know, he was a human just as I'm a human. So that must mean I can do everything he can do. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas the scriptures confront us that, no, he was sinless. Right. And we are sinners by by nature. Pretty big difference. (laughs) Pretty big difference. And so I think one of the, one of the negative consequences, um, if we don't rightly understand Jesus's humanity and, and God's intention in, in that, in the incarnation I think we can too quickly make Jesus like us mm. rather than come before Jesus and see how he was, yes, made like us in the flesh, um, but he does not share the sinfulness. And I think that's something to meditate on. It's I, I think it's something that, you know, we talk about practical application. I think there's some things we're going to talk about that to the listener may be really simple. Jesus's divine and human natures is not a easily simplified um, doctrine. It's no. complex. I think it's. I think it's beautiful and can be simply begun in the study of it. Yeah. In fact, I think our, uh, the 1689 is really helpful in chapter eight, paragraph two. Uh, the end of that paragraph says that Jesus had two whole, perfect, and distinct natures, which were inseparably joined together in one person without converting one into the other or mixing them together to produce a different or blended nature. You talked about 50%, 50%. Right, right. And the confession says this person is truly God and truly man, yet one Christ, the only mediator between God and humanity. Mm-hmm. I, I think John is really clear in his language, even as he continues to make the the point that Jesus is not losing any percentage of divinity right. when he becomes uh, human. Right. You know, we would say Jesus became man by addition, right? Mm-hmm. It's 100%, 100%. Uh, right. he's, I think it's um, Shia uh, Lin, I almost said Shia LaBeouf. Um, Shia Lin, <laughs> it'd be cooler if Shia him. LaBeouf would yeah. confess this, but <laughs> I think it's Shia Lin who said he became God by, or he became man by addition, 200% God. Right. You know, two hundred percent in that. Um, so it's it's not a mixing, um, and I think that's important for us to understand so that we don't mistake uh, this idea that that's really common in uh, evangelical culture to just kind of make Jesus buddy, yeah, to downplay who 100%. he really is. Right, right. I, I mean, we we we. Here's the thing: like, we have to understand that 
the reason the gospel is so amazing, the reason it is such an amazing and earth-shattering truth that we can have fellowship with God through Christ is because of how different, how um, other God is from us, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And that when when we lose that sense of scope with where we are versus where God is, right? We lose very quickly the glory of the gospel and how when Jesus said it is finished and that curtain tore from top to bottom, the astronomical statement that that was, <laughs> that we can now enter in to the Holy of Holies. Yeah. And not even that, we become the Holy of Holies. Our bodies are the temple, the indwelling living place of the Holy Spirit. That is that's that's mind blowing, right? And when you when you when you remove aspects of either Christ's deity or his humanity, you're doing damage to that truth, right? Obviously on his deity, you remove that, man, he like he becomes he becomes unable to save us because it required sinless perfection. Right? Mm-hmm. When you remove his humanity, you remove the wonderful truth that when we, and I'm coming, I think more from a counseling perspective now, when we're going through it, right? And times are really, really hard, right? And life is difficult. You know that you have a savior that understands yeah, because he went through the exact same thing you did. You know, you have a savior who understands grief who understands sorrow, who understands pain, who understands suffering, right? You, when you remove yeah. the, the human aspect of who Jesus is, you lose that and you lose so much hope and you lose so much, so much faith yeah. that Jesus, the one that you are putting your faith in, not only for your salvation, but, but also to be your comforter, right? to be your shepherd, right? And who's going to lead you through this valley of darkness that you're in because he walked it before you. Right. Right. You remove the human aspect of Christ, you lose that. Yeah. And we need to be very, very careful when we, to, to not do that. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, again, the, the heresies of John's day were, were really um, messing with that yeah. in a way to which I would imagine really caused an unease um, for the believers, and you constantly see this in the in the writings of the apostles, mm-hmm. this this reality of 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 Christ's divinity and his humanity. I I yeah. think off of what even you're saying, Hebrews four fifteen, mm-hmm. for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, yeah. but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without. Sin. Every respect. Every respect. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's yep. it's an incredible example. And so, yeah, I think um it's very important to understand, even simply on a on a basic level, um, who Jesus is, both as God and as man. Um, in fact, I think um a, a documentary that I had once watched that was really helpful in simply explaining this was um, the American Gospel. Oh yeah, that yeah. first yeah. film, and and I think that's that's a big um, concern. Is you know a lot of the heresies are centered around either Jesus's divinity or his humanity. 
And right. if you mess with Jesus, you mess with the gospel. And that's Paul's, or I'm sorry, not Paul. Um, that's John's point um, when he gets into talking about fellowship. Right. As he begins to talk about fellowship in First John, that's his point, that if you mess with who Jesus is, then you mess with Christianity as a whole, and fellowship is lost, or it's or it's taken from you. Right. And right. so that's a really incredible point. Yep. Um, I mean, again, we would know that without Christ, there's no Christianity. Well, of course, so, of course, and 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 I would argue, um, and you know, the, we'll we'll probably spend the remainder of our time here. I would argue that without Christ, there's no true fellowship. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and it's it's. I think when when we get into this idea of 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 fellowship, right? I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of different ideas and a lot of different definitions of what that could look like, right? I think the the general idea, if you were to talk to the random guy on the street and you say, okay, what is what is fellowship, right? It would either be the first the first movie in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, or <laughs> If he's homeschooled, if he's homeschooled, which you know what, no, no hate there whatsoever. Yeah. Um, or they'd say, well, it's when it's when friends get together, right? Yeah. It's a gathering of like-minded people. It's a gathering of people that want to hang out and enjoy each other's company, right? The fellowship and and there is an aspect of that that is true. I think that is an aspect of fellowship, but it is not fellowship in and of itself, right? So. I, I think it's important that that we as Christians understand that when it comes to when it comes to fellowshipping with one another, without the gospel, without the person of Jesus Christ, true fellowship as it was designed by God, I don't think is possible. And I think that because of that, we as Christians, those who have been saved, by the blood of Jesus Christ, are the only ones in the world that can have the purest form of fellowship that is capable this side of heaven. Yeah. Right? Because ultimately in heaven, it will be the purest form that we have ever experienced. Right. Perfect communion with one another, perfect communion with God, right? But the fellowship that we have here on earth, I think one is extremely important and not talked about enough but two is seen and manifest primarily through the lens of the local church. Right. Right. There's a lot of different ways people fellowship today, right? You can have, yeah. you'd have, you know, your, your fellowship with your, your coworkers, right? There's a form of fellowship there, right? Right. There's friendship there. You can, people that you hang out and play, I don't know, play, play basketball with or play video games with or right. get, get together and go enjoy a meal with, Right. The fellowship that happens within the context of the local church, I think, is the sweetest form of fellowship that there is. Yeah. And it's one that should be done through this lens of the gospel. Right. Right. Um, and that looks a lot of a lot of a lot of different ways, right? Sometimes it looks like a Bible study. Sometimes it looks like we're getting together and we're hanging out. Sometimes it looks like recording a podcast. Sometimes it gets together, it means we're gonna get together and pray together. Sometimes it means we're ordering pizza. Come on over. We're going to sh- shoot some darts. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't know. Like fellowship within the local church can look so many different ways. Yeah. And it's all beneficial. Right. <laughs> right. The New Testament is is broad on that term fellowship. And yeah. I think, I think you know, 
the most popular. It's really funny because in in American Christianity, there's, I mean, there's probably rarely anyone who speaks Greek or can read Greek or, or Hebrew or anything, but all Christians in America know like those key uh, Greek words. Yes. And one yeah. of them is koinonia, mm-hmm. fellowship, and I'm probably yeah. even saying it incorrectly. Um, but what's fascinating about that is that it is very broad, but the first time you see it, is is as defined in a New Testament context is in Acts 2. But the first thing that Luke writes that they're devoted to is doctrine. Mm. And that's what they're fellowshipping around, yep. is the doctrine of the apostles' message and teaching. Right. The gospel. Wh- which is the gospel. The very thing that John <laughs> is speaking about here yeah. in the first chapter was the core substance that held them together. Right, and I think that's really important because, and I think a a practical challenge to us all is to think of where our our time is devoted Mm -hmm. and and how much are we devoting to our local churches. Because you think about, I I think one of the challenges that that butts up against our our, our, uh, individualism today is that if, if our fellowship as Christians is around... Um, a community that is defined doctrinally by the gospel, is defined in practice by the gospel, then that actually means I can't have fellowship however I want. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean, I mean, I think there's a lot of cases where churches have been really uh, inappropriate in their approach to what what believers can and can't do. And, and treatment of, of one another in fellowship or out of fellowship. But I think there's a really biblical guideline for the reality that if the gospel guides us, if that's how we've come into fellowship, which John's really clear on, um, that's why they proclaimed it, he said, to, to these believers now, that they would have fellowship as, as the apostles had fellowship with the Father which was an incredible claim with God the Father and with his son Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. but also that they would have fellowship together. I think that really teaches us something important that that then that means what what needs to be surrendered today is our individualism. And and to be in fellowship is not only an incredible, unique opportunity in the local church. But it also means that different than other fellowships where, you know, fellowship of friends hanging out or you mentioned basketball or things like that. Sure. All of those fellowships don't matter what you believe or what you think. Right. They don't really, some people would even say, you know, hey, as long as you don't hurt anybody, I don't really care what you do. Um but in Christian fellowship, we say we actually absolutely care what you think and what you do. We care about your doctrine and your devotion, right? Right. And so that's right. a unique fellowship. And I think that's why John is saying to proclaim this gospel to you and have true fellowship with you. He writes at the end in verse four, this is what gives me the fullness of joy. It's a right. complete joy to share that fellowship and that true gospel with you. Because if you don't have the true gospel and you then don't have such a deep commitment to fellowship according to Christ, then then it's just fellowship like the rest of the world. I don't care what you do. I don't care how you live. We'll just hang out when it works. Right, which goes back to the point that the fellowship that we have as Christians because of the gospel is on another level. Yeah. Right? It should be on another level. It should look different. Yeah. Right? And what I mean by look different is it's not 
I'm not just speaking about the practical, like, okay, every time we get together, we have to have a Bible study, right? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the, the things that you can't put a, I don't know if I, if I want to say put a definition on, but you see the unity that we have as Christians because of the way we treat each other. And you see that we are holding to something that unites us, whereas the rest of the world would be scattered by, right? The gospel is the thing that brings together all of these different people from all these different walks of life, from all these different ethnicities, all these different backgrounds, right? And unites them under the banner and the blood of Jesus Christ, right? That fellowship isn't seen in the world, right? And that is what I think we as Christians need to be promoting, right? Look at the unity that we have in Christ, Right, it doesn't mean that that we don't disagree on things, but what it does mean is that we are outdoing one another and showing preference and honor. Right, that we are living our lives in a way that is self-sacrificial. That the fellowship and the joy that we have by simply being in each other's presence is so evident because of the love and the unity that we have for one another. Right, and that unity can happen. It, that unity can happen anywhere. It doesn't matter what you're doing, right? Right. It doesn't matter what the context is or what what the details of the get together are. The fellowship that I can have with you because of what unites us is so much stronger and so much sweeter than anything this world can understand, right? And that truth should spur us on to seeking those opportunities out more. Right. Right. That the, the, all the free time that I have, right? If I have a little spare moment here, spare moment here, I want to be reaching out to somebody in my local church. Yeah. I want to be investing into their lives because I will be invested in uh, uh, through them as well. Right. I want to live my life that I'm sending the texts, I'm, I'm writing the letters, I'm getting together for coffee, I'm making the calls, right? I'm staying connected to my family and keeping that fellowship alive because we yeah. love each other and we're part of the same body, yeah. right? I think we have a responsibility as Christians to press into that, whereas the relationships we have at the workplace or, at the, or, or you know, really anywhere else, you can kind of give or take, Right, like oh, I'll see him on Monday. I don't really need to text him. Right, <laughs> right. It's really easy to fall into that in the context of the local church too. It's like, oh, I'll, I'll see him on Sunday. Right. Don't be content with that. the 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 bond that you share with your brothers and sisters in your local church, everyone at Redeemer, the bond that you you all share is stronger than any bond there is. Stronger than family. There is no greater bond, no stronger bond than what unites under the banner of Christ's blood, right? And I think that's so encouraging and so important for us to keep in mind. And I think when we do that, our fellowship will be often and our fellowship will be sweet. Yeah. I I think um, obviously that's a very countercultural idea, but again, I know I keep going back to how John was dealing with the false teachers of the day, but... Yeah. You know, one one commentary I read said likely those false teachers that John is dealing with are brothers and mm-hmm. fathers and 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 in laws and friends of the 
uh, of the believers in that day. And yeah. that would have been really hard. But John is saying the fellowship we have together through the true gospel is right. is of greater joy and of greater value. So you're absolutely right. I think to have such a commitment on the Lord's day and 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 throughout the week um, with the believers we're in relationship with is important. And that's why we ended this exposition with the question, do we have true fellowship with Christ? Mm. And one of the things I challenged in that as a practical application is the importance of true fellowship in the local church. Because... How else are we going to be rightly guided and encouraged and and sometimes challenged about who Christ truly is other than in the fellowship of the saints during the week? Yep. You know, Jesus' great commission is not about just go and shout out the gospel and then walk away. It's go make disciples. And in the local church, making disciples means we have feet under the same table, mm. um, and we have true fellowship. We're talking about who Christ truly is, not to rebuke everyone who comes across with a Sunday school idea that might be incorrect, but literally to guide them as, um, as you know that as we find with Apollos, you know, in Acts when he's speaking wrongly of baptism, he was corrected graciously and privately. I, I think there's a discipleship factor to true fellowship that you don't see anywhere else in the world, and that's what brings true joy. So I think that's a big question, is do we have true fellowship with Christ? And if so, how are we devoting ourselves to one another in the local church to promote the gospel and to point one another to the gospel? Yeah, yeah, and I'll and I'll say this, and, and I'll, this will be my last statement. You'll find that those two things are reciprocal. The closer right. you are to Christ... The more you will be with your people, yeah. The more you be with your people, the closer you will be to Christ, yeah. And it's a it's a never ending circle, yeah. That is a great circle to be in, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, <laughs> right? amen. Yeah. Well, David, we have went over our time. You can tell we haven't recorded oh for a while yes. because uh, we have we have gone past time. But we we thank all of you guys for listening. Yeah. Pray uh, it's beneficial. Hundred percent, hundred percent. We uh, we pray for the saints of uh, Redeemer. Often, you are on our minds. Often, and for those who are not part of Redeemer that are listening from afar, whatever church you uh, are from, man, send us a send us a note. You can hit David and I up on on social media. I'm I'm, I'm on social media. Um, you can hit us up through there. I think we have a means of getting in contact through the website i believe is that is that set up yet i believe there's a contact form on our website and of course through social media either directly or through the practica means on online yeah Um, yeah of course i think a valuable thing is if you hear a sermon uh whether you're someone at redeemer and you hear a sermon on the lord's day or uh, you're listening to it send us a question maybe that you'd desire for us to interact with around practical application in that exposition. We'd love to do that. Yeah. So we're on all the socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at practica pod. Um, we did that on purpose branding. You know, it's got to make it easy. (laughs) Got to be intentional. Uh, That's right. Uh, www.practicapod.com. You can listen to episodes on there. Um, like David said, there's a contact form. There might there might be are our bios up there yet? I don't think they are. Think That's so. okay. It's a very simple page. You know what? We're very simple guys. <laughs> it's a very simple page. 
Stop I, hating. I had pneumonia, so there's a grace period. That's not an excuse. Get out of here. <laughs> you're you're going to milk that it's for all running, it's worth. It's running it? out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm using that it excuse is running drastic, quickly running out. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. Yeah. So we thank you all for listening. Um, we will catch you on the next episode of uh, Practica. Have a good week. Bye.